we all think we have this unbelievable level of discipline, process will start to identify your weaknesses in your level of discipline. That's Pam Evanson, one of the high performance coaches here at Lapin 180. In this conversation, we focus on the key ingredient to success, your process. Before we jump into this episode, we wanted to give you all a quick heads up. We're going to focus heavily on prospecting for these next few episodes. Why? While with all of the new added challenges of selling in a virtual environment, we thought this topic would be particularly helpful to you right now. So without any further delay, let's jump into this conversation on process. I'm Kylie Schmitz. I'm Dan Lappin, and this is Breaking Sales, a non-conformist take on rejecting the sales status quo. Join the Lappin 180 team as we break the tried and died sales tactics and techniques that are failing you and your prospects. Dan, why is this topic so important right now? And what can our listeners expect to take away from these next few episodes on prospecting? Businesses are down, revenues are down, salespeople are feeling the crunch. It's been five months of probably very low prospecting activity. Pipelines are probably drying up, if not dried up. And everybody knows the end of 2020 is coming and the beginning of 2021 is coming. And where is the business going to come from? I think that's a big reason why this topic is so important. I think as an offshoot of that, I think poor prospecting techniques have been magnified tenfold now. I think businesses, prospects are feeling the squeeze where they're having to spend more and more energy defending and protecting their time because there's so much solicitation going on out there. It's like this circle right now, this cycle of scarcity. The salesperson needs to build their pipeline. They need to reach out more activity. They need to make sure there's more activity going because it's a numbers game, everybody always says. So the result is prospects are getting more and more and more solicitations. So the prospects are pushing back more and more. And every time the prospect pushes back more and more, the salespeople reach out more and more. It's just this ongoing cycle. I think the best way to remove oneself from that cycle, from scarcity regarding prospecting, is to take a step in the different direction. And I think that's what these next several episodes are going to be about. They'll be about prospecting process. They'll be about the mindset behind prospecting. So how do you change your mindset effectively so that when all of your competition, everybody else in the marketplace is running to the left and they're saying stuff like, how do we contribute value to your business? I'd love to meet to figure out how I could be a valued partner. When everybody's running in that direction, we want to help you, our listeners, change your mindset. So instead of going left like everybody else, we're going to help you go right so that you're going to stand out quicker and faster and more often. I think there'll be some episodes about How does the prospecting process or experience feel for your prospects? What's it like to be one of them right now? I think that's an important perspective for everybody in sales right now, because that's where you build that empathy, that understanding. And from that empathy and that understanding, once again, instead of moving to the left, like everybody else, 
you're going to be one of the few moving to the right and you're going to sound different. That's what these next couple episodes are going to be about because I just think the timing is right and I think it's our, it's our best way to try to help our sales community. As we tee up this first conversation of our series, Dan, what are your thoughts on process when it comes to high performance? I think process is important in general. And I'll use a story. My kids are juniors in high school right now, my oldest twins, and they are very stressed about picking a college and going through that entire process. Anxiety, frustration, annoyance with dad because dad keeps reminding them that we've got to look at creating a top 10 or 15. So I sat down with my twins and I asked them, okay, what's what's causing the procrastination? And they just said, it's overwhelming. They don't know where to start. They don't know where to look, what to look for. They don't know what to expect. They don't even know where to begin, all of that. I said, so what happens every day that you keep pushing off the process of looking at colleges and researching colleges? And they said, well, they get more and more annoyed with me and they feel more and more anxiety. I said, so do you want to continue to feel the anxiety? And they're both like, no, they don't want to. I said, okay, let's start somewhere. So we just started with cutting and putting aside half an hour every couple days, period, end of story. There was no committing to how many colleges they were going to research in that half an hour. There was no committing to what kind of colleges or anything. It was just a half an hour. Let's start there. Now they have a list and they've started their criteria and they have a process for doing it. Anxiety has gone down. Frustration has gone down. It's just like prospecting. People can sometimes get paralyzed with this whole notion of prospecting and I've got a prospect today. I've got a prospect six months from now. I got a prospect 12 months from now. Start with the process. Don't worry about the end result. The process is set aside a certain amount of time every day. In that time, you know, you got to do a little research, research some companies that interest you that you might want to talk to. Start researching some people in those companies through LinkedIn. Start coming up with what you want to say, how you want to say it, and role-playing it. But just get started. That's all you got to do. You're not going to be perfect at it. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to screw some things up, but just get started. That's the key to process. And I think top performers have learned that in their career, and they're able to double down and multiply on that now because they realize if there's something they want to do, it's going to come down to the process that they initiate and stick to. And that'll produce the results that they want. They no longer focus just on the results. They focus on the day-to-day. Here's what I need to do. Keep my head down and get it done. Dan, what do you want our listeners to make sure that they get from this episode? It'll be a repeated word over and over that they hear in the episode, probably at nauseum, process. It can be so overwhelming in sales when you're trying to build a pipeline, trying to generate consistency and get to the numbers that you want to get to. And process, believe it or not, as much as it might give some people a headache, if they can just set aside X amount of time every day to do certain activities every day, like research, LinkedIn, emails, and voicemails, proactive outreach, and build that process around that prospecting, it will make their lives so much easier and so much better 
over a 12, 24, 36 month period. So it's process. That's what I hope our listeners get out of this episode. Most of us have what we think is a process for some things, and we don't have a process for for others. However, high-performance individuals understand that they have to be continually working and evolving their process. And when I say process, you know, we tend to focus on the end result. Okay, I know I need to do X by the end of the year, but we don't have a deliberate, disciplined, structured way in which we work towards that result. That's how I view process, is understanding the actions that need to be executed against in order to obtain this result you're looking for. And a lot of us spend much too much time just focused on the result and not enough time focused on what I call those leading indicators. There are people out there who work really, really hard because they're so competitive and driven to attain the result. However, they do truly lack process. How does someone make that shift to add process to their drive and their competitiveness and maybe shift away from so much focus on the result? I think part of the way you can start to help folks understand the need to look towards process is when you look at the result in over a time span. So one of the things that I see a lot in coaching is you see a lot of ups and downs. I had a great year. I had a not so good year. I had a great year. I had a not so good year. That's when we can normally start pointing to, well, that's a lack of process. And how much better could you have been had you put a process in place? So what we talk about is process is all about one step at a time. And it's amazing when I show some of the folks who don't utilize a process today, what it does look like when you've got a process that's humming. And I say a machine that you've built, right? I call it the machine that you've built that allows your business to stay healthy in a consistent manner. When I show folks the machine that other folks have built who who live and die by process, then it starts to make a lot more sense. And Dan, to your point, what we try to do is help people understand that process is always one step at a time. We can't go from not having a process at all to now, okay, everything is structured. I know everything that I'm doing every single day. It's one piece at a time. But then the great thing is, is over time, even through the course of a year, we can start with, okay, let's just put a couple of fundamental elements in place that you know you have to do each and every week. And then by the end of the year, they can see all this process and progress between, okay, I started out doing just a couple things every single week to now I have built this foundation that I just can keep adding to over time. So it it has to be deliberate and it has to be one step at a time. Let's break it down a little further. You talk to a lot of sales professionals every month. Let's take those sales professionals who are trying to gain a rhythm those who have yet to attain the level of success that they want. You know, fairly new sales professionals, maybe with five, seven years experience, and they lack process, but they have drive and they have competitiveness and they're hard workers. Where does someone like that start? Folks that are new to process, I always start with what are the most important components of your business? And so number one is always prospecting. I'm not going to continue to be able to close deals if I'm not 
meeting new people each and every day. So I usually always we'll start with prospect. So we have to focus on understand how they're approaching it now. So how are you approaching your prospecting efforts right now? And Dan, nine times out of 10, it's willy-nilly. It, it, there's, there's no set anything to it. There's no agenda. There's no structure. There's no anything. Oh, I don't know. If I have time, I'll do this. If I have time, I'll do this. If there's a networking event next week, I know I'm doing that. And so it's like, let's pull back and identify. Let's just start with one thing, one thing that you want to commit to every day regarding the most important aspect of your business, which is prospecting. So for example, like maybe a, a, a newer producer, it's five outreaches every single day, every single day. I know I can commit to that. I can start there and we can build from there. In some cases, it's just how about researching and adding two or three companies to the list of people I know I want to be reaching out to. Sometimes it's just blocking time, starting with, hey, let's just put 30 minutes on the calendar each and every day. What I try to do is make sure we start with a daily element, one daily element. Part of the reason process can be so compelling over time is because you start to have a daily implementation of the things that you know are vital to your success. So Every day, what can you commit to? Is it 30 minutes to start? Is it researching two companies? Is it making three outreaches? And then we build from there. Is it building an organizational structure? Is it spending 30 minutes a day to organize yourself on, on say, Salesforce? So it's some daily element that I like to start with to start building towards process. Somebody gets it started and they're doing what you said, a process, and they're two weeks in. There's that temptation, right, where it's like, okay, I've been really good for two weeks. It's Sunday night. I don't really feel like spending a half an hour mapping out my week. I'll get up tomorrow morning, first thing in the morning, 6 a.m. I'll map it out then. What would you say to that person if you were coaching them? So here comes the A word, accountability. We always start something raring to go. And we see this a lot, you know, for the first couple of weeks, even the first maybe three weeks, I'm hitting on all cylinders. And now all of a sudden my discipline starts to fall off. That's when we start to understand what kind of accountability metrics need to be put in place so that somebody can go longer periods of time before having that exception to the rule. And Dan, you know, discipline is funny. We all think we have this unbelievable level of discipline process will start to identify your weaknesses in your level of discipline. As long as I can have somebody start to have exceptions where it's not it's not the rule anymore that all of a sudden I'm abandoning everything I'm doing, it's an exception, that's progress. But accountability is part of that. Pam, you mentioned the machine that you sometimes can show to other sales professionals that you're coaching. What is that machine that you're referring to? A prospecting machine, you can look at a machine and say, all right, I've got a cadence. So I have a way in which I manage my prospecting. I know when my touch points are going to be, there is specific follow-up, it's identified. So we have the roadmap for how we want to approach folks. Then we break it down even further. I like to say the channels. What channels are you utilizing in order to obtain new business conversations. So not only do we have to look at the cadence, but we have to look at the channels. Are we looking at cold outreach? Are we looking at warm outreach? Are we looking at networking? 
So you kind of look at the end result first. What do I want to see in time? What would I love this machine to look and feel like? And then we go all the way back to the beginning and we start to identify, well, what do we have in place now? And how can we slowly add to that? So that eventually you have this machine that's addressing warm, addressing cold, addressing cadence, and has an organizational system, a CRM behind it, so that all everything is working on all cylinders. That's what I look at as a prospecting machine. And we're to the point at Lappin where we've built, okay, networking. We know that's seven, seven networking events or touches every week. That's our process. In terms of cold outreach, it's a set cadence that builds. It's every two weeks for the first three months, and then it goes quarterly. And we know what those touches are going to be. We've already identified those. And then we've got a CRM in place that allows all of that to be housed in one area. And then what Tom has to do is make sure his time spent throughout the week has the appropriate dedication to each one of these functionalities to make sure that it all continues to run smoothly. So as you can imagine, if you're not good at time management, okay, there's something you can start with process. If you if you don't have a CRM, okay, we've got to build a process around that. If you don't have messaging, if you don't have networking, these are all things that we have to build process around so that, again, this end, this end game is this awesome machine that continues to keep your business in a healthy place. Pam, can you go into a little bit more detail for the listeners? Cadence. Explain to the listeners what cadence is specific to what you and Tom are doing here. For the listeners out there, Tom is our business development guy within Lapin 180. So cadence is all about making sure that I am consistent in the way that I'm approaching individuals. Let's face it, especially with cold outreach, very infrequently will the phone call or email that you place to somebody who's never met you run directly in sync with the timing that they have on their part to meet with you. So when I say cadence, it's not about, we can't just, you know, email folks one time and expect to get to get heard back from. Cadence allows us to stay present in a respectful peer-to-peer way so that when the company that you're reaching out to, timing may come to the point where it makes sense to have a conversation, they have a little bit more of a comfort as to who you are because you've stayed present. So when we say cadence, we identify the touch points that we want to utilize when reaching out to new companies. It can be an email, it can be a phone call, it can be a a LinkedIn request, it can be a video. So we try to utilize also different channels to approach folks over a span of time. And again, peer to peer. We don't need or want anything from anybody. The way I look at cadence is it's, it's on me, it's my role and responsibility to reach out and introduce companies to Lappin so that if and when the need arises, they have a little bit of a sense of who we are. That's all cadence and outreach really is. This is not about getting a meeting, not about anything else. It's about making sure they understand who we are so that if timing presents itself, they have a familiarity with us. And that's why the cadence is so important. So one example that I came across in one of my sessions, I think it goes to how important this really is. Uh, One of my commercial insurance producers in Ohio, he had been reaching out 
to a prospect and it had been eight touches. And on the ninth one, they said, you know, I think this is a conversation worth having. You've been in my CFO's ear for three months now, and it probably is about the the right time for us to review our, our insurance plan. And that wouldn't have happened if he hadn't sent that ninth touch, potentially. And Kylie, this is the importance of process. You can't imagine, and I'm not throwing myself under the bus when I was when I was heavy, heavy prospecting. When you don't have a process that organizes all of this, you are missing out on potentially being able to help somebody. You are missing out because again, that reach out in the first, very rarely will intersect with a conversation. So if I don't have a process built around this, I am not obtaining my level of responsibility that these companies are counting on me for. And again, without a process, what are the chances that I can keep up the consistent level of outreach that I need over time to make sure my business stays healthy? There's no way. So going back to process, with what you and Tom have built, how many new, new appointments, new conversations has Tom been able to schedule and confirm in the past 90 days? In the past 90 days, upwards of probably 20 meetings in the last 90 days. And, and Dan, you bring up a good point. Process is not immediate. And, and that's the, the other point problem when you're in what I call a lagging business, which almost all are, there's not going to be immediate gratification with process. It's time well spent. You won't see the efforts of process immediately. But boy, when you get that thing humming, here we go. And as you know, Tom has now produced meetings each and every single week thanks to his process. Thanks to his process. It's it's gotten to the point where every week, we're getting new business conversations. And I have another example from one of the commercial real estate brokers that I work with over on the West Coast. So we took a look at his numbers over time and we were specifically looking at revenue month over month because I wanted I, he, he wanted to look at just the year and we needed to break it down a little bit further into month. So when we were looking at this, it was like a, a wavy up and down chart. So I I just visualize ups and downs like on a roller coaster. So when I look at the highs, it's it's preceded by a lower dip in the numbers and then followed by a lower dip in the numbers. Pam, from what you see all the time, what's going on here? Lack of process. Mm -hmm. And you know why? I have time to prospect. I have time to bring on new business. I spend a lot of time and effort doing that. <gasps> I brought in a bunch of clients. I need to onboard them. I'm not doing any prospecting. Up yep. oh, and here we go. That's why it's so important to identify the elements that you, no matter what else is happening, and that's the other thing about process and discipline. This is all about, I have to understand the level of commitment that can't waver no matter what else is going on in my business to make sure that doesn't happen. Even if I've got all these clients I'm onboarding, there has to be a minimum level of expectation in my prospecting process to make sure that doesn't happen. And so that's an indicator to me. And always when you see that, it's an indicator that somebody's not working a process. 
So let's let's go back to something you said. I think this is very relevant for our listeners. How do you move yourself off of the immediate gratification? Because right, you you spend energy on something, you spend focus on something, you you commit to something, you want to see a return. And when you don't see a return, human nature is to start to question the return, question the effort. And at some point, you kind of start to move off of what you started. You move away from your process. What coaching would you give our listeners to stay in the game? And how many weeks would you say does it take for them maybe to start seeing some of their results? So... That varies based on where everybody's coming into this thing we call process. But the key that you're talking about, Dan, is I have to shift my immediate gratification from getting a meeting or securing a networking one-on-one to the immediate gratification comes when I did the things I was supposed to do, no matter what else got in my way. So we shift from okay, this isn't working, I didn't get a meeting, to the immediate gratification is, oh my gosh. I had so many things going on today, yet I still executed on my top three priorities. That's now the new level of gratification that we look to. How many weeks do you think Tom went through that before he started to get the rhythm and the pace that he has now? I would say 90 days, 90 to 120 days. Of just focusing on the immediate gratification of, I made this commitment today, to do two hours of this or make these 10 calls or research these 30 companies and I did it. And then on to the next day and then on to the next day. Without deviating from it. Because as you can imagine, all us immediate gratification people want to switch what we're doing. So the other thing with process is you have to learn how much time to truly give something before you pivot off that strategy. And that's why, too, I love process is it will give you good intel over time as to whether or not you need to make some shifts in effort. But the problem is you you have to stick to it for a a certain amount of time before you can make those kind of assessments. But yeah, I would say 90 to 120 days of doing it at that level before we started to see the results we're seeing now. So let's look ahead. There are four plus months left in 2020. And then 2021 is upon us. What suggestions would you give our listeners on helping them form a process that will build them a pipeline that will be healthy for 21 or at least on its way to being healthy for 2021? So the first element, I always want someone to to understand a little bit deeper than they do currently to start working towards processes, their relationship with time. Can you take a 30-day period, look at your calendar, look at your black book, look at whatever you use to manage the activities over the past 30 days, and start to quantify your accomplishments as it relates to what you need to focus on for your business? That's a big one. That will give you a lot of insight as to where to start. Then point number two Figure out the one thing that you have to commit to each and every day in order to sustain a level of success. Just start with one. And then here's the one that no one likes. Number three, you have to have a central way to organize yourself. For those that have never worked a process, 
This is the sticky widget. This is what by nature, especially a lot of sales folks don't like is the organization piece. And it's funny when I'll sit down with people and say, all right, show me how you organize yourself. Show me where everything goes. I've got this, I've got this, I've got this, I've got this. One central way to start to build a system to organize yourself. Those would be my top three, relationship with time, understanding the one thing that you want to commit to daily and a level of organization. Start with a level of organization. One thing that organizes you. You know, we've talked a lot about process. What we haven't talked about though is the process of improving one's conversations. You know, we, we always talk about that here at Lapa 180. You can prospect all day long and you can go out and have 60 new conversations over a 12 month period. But if your conversation stinks, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Striking out. Yep. Doesn't matter. So let's talk a little bit about that because that's new for a lot of folks is this whole thought process on practicing. You know, we talked to Nick Hardwick a few weeks back and he would focus his practice on who he'd be competing against in football at the line of scrimmage every Sunday afternoon. And he got real meticulous in his prep and his process. Then we talked to Erica Ballard, who's a health coach, specializes in food, sleep, and other behaviors that attribute to good, healthy lifestyle and high performance. And she talked about the need to understand your food intake and what foods worked for you and what foods don't and what your sleep needs are and things like that. So now let's kind of take another step here and let's talk about for those who are out there who set appointments and go on them, you know, what would you say you've learned from coaching other folks about the need to have a prep process prior to a prospect conversation? So same rules apply here. To your point, Dan, the process is more around the practice. And what I tend to see is people are practicing the wrong things. So the first identification is what are you practicing? And when you talk to sales professionals, a lot of times their practice is research on the company, a fundamental understanding of the people they're going to be sitting down with, who they are, getting on their LinkedIn. That's only one aspect of it. What I want folks to get a process and a rhythm around when it comes to practice is how I show up, how I show up. Now, the hard part is, especially with what we coach, you can't predict what another human being is ever going to do in a situation. And what I find a lot of times is, is that's what we're trying to do. Well, if they say this, then I'm going to say this. And if they say this, then I'm going to say this. And inevitably you get into a conversation, oh, they didn't say any of those things and I didn't practice for that. So what we focus on instead is understanding how high intent detachment and abundance are going to show up at the very beginning of a conversation. So for those of you that don't know, our definition of that, we call it the upfront agreement, really perfecting my high intent, abundant and detached language. And you know what's so funny, Dan, is I hear this all the time. Pam, I feel like if I practice that, I'm going to come off scripted and rehearsed. And if you do your research on authenticity, it's actually the opposite. It takes us a lot of practice to be our authentic selves. And so there's this misnomer about practicing 
how I introduce myself at a conversation or what my intent is for a conversation. And so I hear that a lot. I don't want to sound scripted and I don't want to show up rehearsed. You will not be your authentic self without an extreme level of practice. Right. Because to your point, most of us, if we're not careful in a conversation, we are seeking impression management, which is not our authentic selves. Impression management comes from our ego. It's what we want to put out there that gives us the sense of control. And so actually practicing how to be authentic and genuine and let go of outcomes and focus on what's best for the other person, it really does take hard work and consistency. And words matter and tone matters. All of these things matter, but we don't spend a lot of time on them. The other part is really understanding, okay, if I'm going into a first conversation with someone, what do I need to learn in order to determine how and if I could possibly help? Not what do I want to learn? What do I need to learn? And so this is the pivot we see from probing questions to an authentic inquisitiveness on the part of somebody who's never met you and never had a conversation with you. So believe it or not, practicing the questions that we actually ask are part of this too. And we'll sit down and are these questions all about me and my company and how I figure out how I position my company based on your responses? Or are these questions truly rooted in, I want to understand the lens of the person who works at this organization? And it's funny, Dan, when you practice those two sets of questions, they're always very different. Very, very different. So when it comes to questioning and effective questioning, our level of practice is how do I start to obtain the lens of the other person? What do I need to learn to truly be able to see the world from the way they see it? Not how I see it or how I want to see it, but how they see it. And so that looks and feels very different as well versus I'm going to ask the questions I know I want to ask to determine how I'm going to position my company or to figure out where their pain points are versus I really want to learn about this person and their organization and what they have going on without any predispositions of how I fit into this. So that element is very different. And then the last piece is learning how to stay in the moment. And this is the tough one. This is where active listening comes in. This is where not being able to prepare for what's going to come out of another human being's mouth. And so learning how to root yourself and be able to be responsive instead of reactive is the third component. And this one's a little tougher. And Dan, I, I obviously got this from you, learning how to operate in the clutch. So we will spend time, and I'm doing this a lot right now with my clients, I'm going to put you in a scenario, Kylie, and it doesn't matter if you've ever been in this scenario before. It doesn't matter. What I'm looking for is how do you respond in the moment? And if I can keep putting you in these clutch scenarios, you don't know what's coming. You have no idea how to prepare for it. You just have to be able to respond high intent, detached, and abundant. That is the third element that, boy, now when we practice that, we can get really, really good at what our role and responsibility is supposed to be in these conversations. And the third element, in my opinion, is the toughest. I think, Pam, for me, when I was learning all of this, it goes back to 
high intent detachment and abundance, is this a tactic or your operating system? It comes across as inauthentic when you're using it as a tactic. When you're following this upfront agreement structure that we teach, is it coming from a place that you genuinely believe in? Or are you doing this because you think this is going to help you get the prospect somewhere that's to your advantage? And for me, that was the hardest part because once I finally grasped this whole concept of, oh, it's not about me (laughs) and I need to just figure out if I can be of service to this person. And if so, how? What does that look like? And it may not be in a way that results in me getting new business. It's just a way that you know I'm helpful to them in some way. So I think it's the difference between an operating system and a tactic. 100%. If you're looking at this as a tactic, you'll never get there. No. You'll never get there. And it will come off scripted and robot. Absolutely. Now it's time for our favorite segment, Change the Conversation. So our goal with this segment is not to make fun of or belittle the messages that we receive from the hardworking salespeople out there, but rather we wanna give you tangible examples that you can chew on to help you take your mindset from that of a salesperson to an advisor. This one comes to us via email on a Wednesday. Kylie, we'll be the first to say it. We're in an industry that has a bad reputation, but unlike Joan Jett, we do care about changing perceptions. I'm Bob with company ABC, and we're in the outbound appointment setting business. You could also say we're in the supplementation business or the qualified leads business, or more importantly, the ROI business. We offer our clients a pilot period where they can try out our services and see what sets us apart from others in the space. You could have some of the 5,000 plus meetings we booked for our clients last month. If you're skeptical, I get it. If you're concerned that your industry wouldn't work with our process, I get it. Let us prove ourselves. It'll only take a 15-minute call. How about Friday? Thanks, Bob. Mind you, this was sent on a Wednesday. You know, it's just an interesting approach. Number one, I don't I don't know who Joan Jett is. I know there was uh, Joan Jett, a rock singer in the 80s, and so I have no idea where they would go with that. So right away, they're putting a reference out there that's probably going to make you have to look it up, and very few people are going to look it up. I did. I didn't Google the company that they were sending me information about, though, so I don't think the purpose of the email was accomplished. Yeah, you you don't identify with their reference point, so they lose you right away, and that was their opening line. And then talking about supplementation, there are so many people out there in the digital marketing space Somewhere along the line, someone in a boardroom came up with the word supplementation and they used it in an email or they used it in their own marketing and now everybody's using it and is gravitating toward it. I really don't know what supplementation means. And business ROI. Everybody talks about business ROI as well. So unfortunately, this person is just going to get bucketized and stereotyped as another sales call really, really quick. Again, I say that but I also take pride and I am respectful for the hard work that some sales professionals truly put in to their art and their craft. I mean, if you're going to reach out to someone, don't lead with yourself and don't lead with something that is going to cause people to 
shake their head or scratch their head and not going to understand what you mean. Don't use silly references and don't get cute. Get right to the point and make it about the prospect that you're reaching out to. Thanks for listening to Breaking Sales. If you want to get engaged with us outside of this podcast, be sure to go to our website, lapin180.com. That's L-A-P-P-I-N 180.com. And there you'll find information on upcoming workshops, different events we're doing throughout the United States, ways to engage with us on social media, as well as a form where you can suggest topics or guests for the podcast. We want to hear from you, so don't be shy. Kylie out. All right. Do we have another episode? <laughs>